Wow, man, I am fired up about 21 days of prayer. And can we honor our prayer team for just leading us in this? <laughs> Tiffany is one of our prayer team leaders, as well as John in the back. Um, I'm just really excited to see what God is going to do over those 21 days. If we haven't met, my name is Todd, and thank you guys so much for being here in the room, out in the lobby. If we're in here, can we also let the lobby crew know we see you, we love you, we're glad that you're with us. Just want to start with this question, and it's the title of the series, which is, Do I Add Value? Do I Add Value? Now, most of us have asked this question at some point, but sometimes we ask questions like this and we feel like we're all alone and we're the only ones asking and everybody else is like, of course I had value. I've got my life together. So just to like, let us know we're not alone. If, if you've ever asked this question, would you be so bold as just to raise your hand and say like, I've questioned if I add value. Uh, there's hands up all over the room. But I think most of us have asked probably about multiple areas of our lives. Maybe it's your job. And like, I've, I've been working here for X amount of years. And like, do I, do I really make things better? Like, like, am I actually adding value to what's going on here? Or for a specific job that a lot of you guys are stepping back into, maybe you're a school custodian or school cafeteria worker or a teacher or a teacher's assistant or an administrator. Like, I've been at this school for a few years now, and I'm asking the question, if I left, would anyone even care? Like, if I didn't show up tomorrow, if I just resigned and walk away, would it even matter? Like, like, am I adding value? Or some of us, if we're honest, you may lay your head on your pillow at night, and your spouse is asleep, and you haven't fallen asleep yet, and you're going, do I add value to this marriage? Like, am I actually helping make my spouse a better person, or am I just pulling her down? Now, these are questions that we begin to ask ourselves. And then when it comes to the church, we also can ask like, man, do I add value? Maybe you serve in public kids and every week you have to bring a different shirt because you could get spit up on, okay? And the odds of getting spit up on are greater than the odds of not getting spit up on. I'm just saying, this is real life, people. And you're wondering like, is the spit up worth it? Like, am I really helping these kids know Jesus? Or maybe you're in the annex with public kids elementary and you'll be in there at 1115 and some weeks it seems like they really get it, and other weeks they're just wild and over there. And you're like, man, am, am I actually making a dent in their journey to follow Jesus? Maybe you're holding a door. Maybe you're running a camera. Maybe you're taking pictures. Maybe you're behind the scenes putting mints in bathrooms. By the way, if you put mints in bathrooms, you add a ton of value. Thank you. <laughs> Don't ever question your value. You may add the most value here, mints in bathroom teammates. And then some of you guys, like I saw a great friend of mine, Ben McChesney, he's got his rain jacket on. He's outside in the parking lot today. I mean, can we honor the people that stood out in the rain and helped us park? <laughs> but sometimes it's not raining and we don't clap for you and it's 100,000 degrees in Cleveland. You're like, does this even matter? And people don't listen. They don't park where I tell them to park anyway. <laughs> so you're like, maybe I should start doing that. That's a way you can honor them. Anyway. <laughs> I think we ask this question in a lot of different areas of just like, is, is what I'm doing, does it really matter? Now, there's an economic term called value added. And essentially, it means that if you buy a piece of fruit for $1 and then you sell it for $2, then there is $1 of value added. And I think that what a lot of us are wanting to know is, am I... Am I a value added in this situation, in this marriage, in this job, in this church? Am I actually value added 
or am I just keeping it the same or maybe even taking things away? So what we want to do in this series starting today is we're going to answer that question, do I add value? And spoiler alert, yes, we all add value. But we're going to talk about how we add value. So, so for the next few weeks, starting today, I just want to invite you, let's go on a journey and let's be honest. But this is a question we all ask, like, let's evaluate this question, do I add value? Let's listen to some answers and let's ask this question as well. Okay, if I add value, then how do I add value? So we're going to start this journey in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible or Bible app, and if you want to join me there, love for you to do that. And in this series, and and starting today, we're going to talk a lot about how we add value in Jesus' church. And some of you guys are going to be like, pause, uh, time out. Your whole intro was about like my marriage and my job and the classroom and it, it if you're just talking about how I add value in this place I come to on Sundays, like how is that helping me with my kids and on Tuesday and my everyday life? So this is really important that we all understand this. When we talk about Jesus's church, we are the church wherever we are. Like you don't go to church, you become the church. You with me? So on Wednesday at your job, when you're wondering, do I add value? You're the church at your job. God has put you there to be the body of Christ. We'll be talking more about that. But to represent Jesus in that job, to represent Jesus at nap time with your kids, to represent Jesus with your roommate when they come home and they've had a bad day, you're the church in that apartment. Like we are the church wherever we are. In fact, part of the vision of a public church is we want to blur the lines between what happens on and off our campus. In other words, all the things that we do here, they're really just getting practice reps for the game, which is real life out there. And so if we can serve here, then we want to be able to serve in our everyday lives. It's all connected. So we're talking a lot about how can we be the church and how can we know that we add value wherever we are. So if you don't follow Jesus and you're here, you're watching, like I am so fired up that you're with us. And I want to let you know that We're not inviting you to come to a place. We're inviting you to become something. It's not just like, let me come to the 930. Let me come to the 1115. Let me even come to a community group. No, it's about becoming Jesus followers who represent him and who are his church every single moment of every single day. That is the invitation. And so as we dive into that in Ephesians 4, we're going to hear from a literal church expert today, and that is definitely not me. We're going to hear this letter is written by Paul, and Paul writes this letter to a church in the city of Ephesus, and what Paul did is he started, and he encouraged, and then he eventually empowered leadership in churches all across the Mediterranean basin. So as he writes about the church and about our value, man, he's got a lot of experience. He is an expert. And so I'm just curious, some of you, I'd love for you to answer this out loud. Who is an expert in like a field that you care about? Like you can just say this out loud. Who's an expert in an area that you care about? Just shout it out. (laughs) Great. We don't know experts. Let's start here. Who's an expert in business if you like business? Wow, this is awesome. If you're watching online, please type something in the chat. Help us out. I don't even know if we have a chat right now, but just something. Email us. Like, feedback would be all. Warren Buffett, thank you, Cody. Our worship pastor's come through. He is not a plant. Yes, you added value. That's adding value. The rest of y'all, I'm not sure right now, okay? 
The question is still open-ended. But here's my point. Okay, I know you guys are quiet. It's 930. It's raining. It's fine. We'll wake up later. The point is, when you guys care about something, and there's an expert in that area, at least most of us, we devour the content from that expert. Like for me, when Carrie Newoff interviews Albert Tate, one of the best communicators on the planet, I'm like listening to that and devouring everything that Albert Tate says. I just want to know exactly what he's saying. Like, you, you get me? So we will devour podcasts. We will devour content from experts in areas that we care about. So could we have that same attitude towards Ephesians? Knowing that Paul is an expert on this question, do I add value? Paul is an expert on the church. So, so let's lean in and let's see what he has to say. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is where we will start. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So we're talking about the church and talking about value. The first thing that Paul says is, hey, if you are a leader in Jesus's church, you are actually a gift to the church. Now, that's elders, that's people leading our public teams, that's staff, that's those of you guys who will one day be in those roles, that you are a gift to Jesus' church. So know that you add value. If you've ever wondered, like I'm leading this thing, I'm leading this team, and I'm leading a huddle on Sunday morning, is anybody listening? Do I add value? Yes. God put you here in his church, and you're a gift, and you add value. And then he says, now, now here's what you do. So to leaders in the church, this is important. And we're going to talk to everyone who may be like, I'm not a leader. What does this matter to me? Like, we'll we'll get you. This verse has both of us in there. It says this, their responsibility, the responsibility of leaders in the church is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, maybe how you grew up, here was the version of Ephesians 4.12 that you were handed. The job of pastors and various other leaders in the church is to do everything, specifically for me. And I'm going to sit here and consume because they are getting paid and they're just going to do it all. That's not exactly what Ephesians 4.12 says. It says that if we're in any type of leadership role in the church, paid or unpaid, that we have a very specific job to do, and it's to equip everyone else to serve. So the question that you may be asking, like, oh, why are we starting about leaders? I'm not a leader. Um, do I add value? What Paul says very clearly here is we all have a job to do in Jesus' church. Therefore, we all add value. If you just back up and if you want to read through Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, later on and, and just right around that, it says that God has prepared good works ahead of time for us to do. Why? Because we are his masterpieces. Do you catch that? The person that's putting mints in the bathroom, I just love you. And so I keep talking about you, all of you. It's amazing. You're a masterpiece and you add value and that role matters because here's what each of us do. When we step into our various roles, we're literally like constructing Jesus's church. Remember, it's not a building, it's a group of people. So we're literally building up other people and we're building up a picture of Jesus that we can show to the community more on that in just a moment. So for those of us who are leaders, it's not that we don't ever do anything, like we have to do things, but all of our doing should be with the mindset of equipping. 
So like I'm speaking, like I'm literally doing something right now. But my goal in speaking every week is to mobilize you to be the church, to equip you to be the church. If our doing stops with just doing, then we've missed it because it's not our job to do everything. It's our job to equip people to serve and to unleash them, for them to step into their role and feel the value that they add to the body of Christ. And so for everyone who's like, well, I'm not a leader, man, you have an incredible role to play. We're going to be talking a lot more about that in this series. But then the question becomes, okay, so we're building up the body of Christ. What does that look like? And how long do we keep having this special work? How long do we keep having this assignment? Verse 13, it says, this will continue until, all right, so how long do we keep doing this? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We're going to talk about this, but here's what that means. Until Jesus comes back or we die and meet him, we got work to do, okay? Because the standard is Jesus. So, so I just want to take a moment and put these two verses together, and then we'll talk specifically about that verse we just read. Like, all of us here, maybe no one's told you, but know that in the Jesus movement, we are all participants, not spectators. And if someone has really sold you short and been like, it's cool just to come and consume, like you're actually missing out on all God has for you. Because in the Jesus movement, his church, we've all got something to do. Now, this is really important. And I've said this analogy before, and I'm going to say it again. There's times that you get injured. Church hurt is real. It's a product of being in a fallen world. You may have been hurt by this church. You may have been hurt by me. Like, I can sit out here and I could just go through and look at people that I've let down, people that I've had to apologize to. And there's more people that I've let down and had to apologize to than people that I haven't in this room. And so church hurt is real. And there may be a time that you get injured. But here's the thing. There's a difference between rehabbing to get back in the game and just removing yourself to sit in the stands. Like, my background is coaching and football. And when somebody tears their ACL, it's not like, well, I'm done forever. No, then they go see the athletic trainer. They see doctors, a physical therapist, and they go through a process where they're not in their normal role. What they're doing is they're taking some time to take care of themselves and to recover from that and to heal. And I'm telling you, in the church, there's no timetable on that. I can't be like, it's going to take you six weeks and you six months and you six years. We don't know how long that's going to take. But I just want to encourage you, if you've been hurt, and if you're walking through that, have the mindset of rehab versus the mindset of just a spectator. Because what the Holy Spirit wants to do is bring healing to you so that you can step back into your role, because that's where you can experience all that God has planned for you. So we all are participants. We've got a vital role to play. And it says what we're doing as we're building up Jesus' church is we're, we're trying to build towards unity in the faith and unity in the knowledge of the Son of God, which means our job is really hard. Because I don't know if you've noticed or looked around, it feels like the world just keeps getting more and more divided, doesn't it? And if we just look at face value, there's a lot more reasons to be against each other than to be for each other. 
And that's why I love that when the Bible talks about unity, it doesn't say unity on our opinions, unity on our politics, unity on our views about certain things. It says unity in the faith, that that we all unite around the gospel, that we all unite around man. I want to know Jesus more and more. And something that's helped me when I'm working through something with people and when we're missing each other, it's, it's hard. And this can be at home or at work. It's just to remember, man, what we're doing matters, but it's not eternal. And even in the midst of working through this, like when you're working through something with your spouse and it's hard and maybe a couple days and you're trying to work through it, like keep working through it. But what matters, man, is that you are here for Jesus and Jesus has put you two together and you love each other. There's things that are greater than our conflict that can unify us in the church. Man, we are unified around the gospel. So as we're working through things, man, we'll keep working through them, but we're gonna pursue unity even when we disagree and we don't see eye to eye because it's about Jesus and not us. You following me there? And I just use the term the gospel. And maybe you're like, well, well, what is this gospel that we unify around? And some of you are like, we're talking about becoming complete to the standard of Jesus. Again, we'll get to that in a second. But you're just like, I'm kind of overwhelmed already. Become more like Jesus? Like on my own? Some days I struggle to get out of bed. I got to become like Jesus? How do I do this? And the answer is we don't do it in our own strength. We do it through the power of the gospel. The gospel is the fact that Jesus planned to come and rescue us, and then he followed through on his plan. Like scripture says that before the foundation of the world, the gospel was the plan. The plan was for Jesus to come. Because God didn't say, hey, figure out a way to get to me. No, God came to us. God put on a body, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus walked through everything that we walked through, but he never sinned. And he didn't even on earth be like, get it together, No, instead, in his innocence, he took our punishment. He went to the cross, and he died for every single one of us. And that's the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins. That's the only hope that we have to ever become more like Jesus is not by our own grip, but by the sacrifice and blood and the forgiveness of Jesus. And then for those of us who today might be going, man, that's great for somebody else, but you don't know my story. I don't know your story, but God knows your story. And Jesus conquered death and rose from the dead to let all of us know that any obstacle we feel is too great for us, that obstacle is not too great for Jesus. And he can overcome it. And then, as we talked about a few months ago, Jesus ascended to the Father and he sat down on the throne of the universe, which means if you're wondering like, Who reigns sovereign and complete and in control? It's Jesus. He's king of the universe. He's king over it all. But he didn't just leave us to be down here. He sent his Holy Spirit to fill every single Jesus follower, to be our guide, to be our source of power, to fill us with resurrection strength. So that way, we have the power of God through his spirit working in us making us more like Jesus if we'll just cooperate with him, pushing us towards unity if we'll just cooperate with him. So if you're feeling that pressure, you can go, it's not all on me. It's on Jesus in me. And that's some good news for us today. So with that set, the goal is that we keep serving in our roles, we keep equipping people, and we keep building up the church until the church becomes a perfect picture of Jesus. That's basically what he's saying here. Like the standard is, hey, it's easy, guys, just for public church, just be exactly like Jesus. And we're like, that's not happening. (laughs) Like when I read this and I'm like, okay, 
this is through the gospel, and I know that the Holy Spirit's in me, but I still get so discouraged because it doesn't say like, let's get up to um, one-eighth of the standard of Jesus. That'd be impossible, but way easier than the full and complete standard of Jesus. In other words, our presence should reflect the fullness of Jesus as if he were actually here. So anytime that we start to think like, man, I'm doing pretty good. How are we doing compared to Jesus? Because when I look at that, there's huge gaps. I'm like, well, I'm growing, but I'm not where Jesus is. I'm handling this better, but I'm not where Jesus is. So there's always room to grow. And then here's the rub. Some of us are like, well, I'm actually in a good place individually, but this passage isn't just talking about where we are as individuals. It's talking about where we are collectively. Like collectively to Cleveland and to the nations, how are we a picture of Jesus? And until we're a complete picture of Jesus, we still have work to do. So we're always going to have work to do. We're always going to have value to add. And then he gives this contrast. He says, okay, so the standard is Jesus. And as we become more mature like Jesus, verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. And three questions, like the Holy Spirit asked me, I just want to ask all of us as I was studying this, is, okay, the first thing, it says we'll not be immature like children. Look, it's understandable when a two-year-old acts like a two-year-old, but it's not understandable when a 36-year-old acts like a two-year-old. So are you tired? Am I tired? Are we tired of being immature in how we handle things? And I just thought about myself because I'm in a process of of being changed. I'm telling you, when things go my way, I'm all right. And when things don't go my way, I'm like a toddler. Sometimes even worse than the toddlers actually live in our home. I'm immature. And so God's changing. God is growing. But, But the question is, Are we fed up with just being immature? Cute at two. Not so cute at 62. And then it says not only the analogy is of babies, but it talks about a boat. This is the word picture that would have been in people's minds, that you're tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. And I'm just wondering, are you fatigued of of trying this new thing and seeing, will this make my life better? And then six weeks later, it doesn't work. So, okay, I'll go. I found this thing on TikTok. I'm going to try this new thing, and maybe this will make my life better. And then five weeks later, oh, that's not working. So now I'm going to try this new thing, and I'm going to do what this influencer says. I'm going to do what this says. I'm going to try all this stuff, and I'm just like tossed back and forth like a boat in a storm. Are you tired of it? Are you tired of being flaky? But you're chasing this thing and then chasing that thing. And then the other analogies, he said, basically, are you tired of being tricked? This idea was gambling, but the people you're gambling against, they have loaded dice, so they're always going to win. And are you just tired of being deceived? Are you tired of being told that this thing is the answer only to find out that it has a terrible aftertaste with a lot of regret. And you just constantly get deceived. Are are you tired of that? Because when we're immature, when we're being tossed about, when we're being deceived, that diminishes the value that we have. So if we were more mature, if we were more 
steady. And if we were not more anchored in the truth, would we add more or less value? We would add more value. So then Paul says, here's how to do it. He says in the next verse, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Again, we're becoming more like Jesus. He's the standard. But there's this statement here that just stops me on track, says, okay, so the path forward, how do we add more value? How do we grow in maturity? How do we be more stable? How do we anchor in truth as we speak the truth in love? And here's my problem reading that statement is that statement has been weaponized by people on both sides. The truth people are like, I'm just going to say it and you're going to deal with it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. Oh, truth. I love you enough to just tell you. And the love people are like, well, I don't know if I want to tell you because I love you so much. Can I just give you a hug? And I'm just going to let you drive your whole life and family off a cliff, but I don't want to offend you. And so, again, let me just get in the car with you and I'll go off the cliff with you and at least we'll be together, you know. So we've just weaponized both sides. And here's what Paul's saying. If we separate truth from love, that's sin. Because here's what Jesus came as. He came as the fullness of grace and truth. Love and truth. And then some of us are like, man, I see both sides. I just want to kind of be like, 50% love and 50% truth. I know most days I'm like 64, dear wife, and we're just measuring. No, no, that's not what Jesus came to do. In John, it doesn't say Jesus came to be 50% love and 50, or 50% grace, 50% truth. It said he was the fullness of both. In other words, it's about us letting the Holy Spirit make us to be 100% truth and 100% love. A little marriage tip, by the way, for those of you who are married or ever want to be married. Some people tell you in marriage, like, it's got to be 50-50. If you're trying to be 50-50, then you're always measuring. And you're usually not measuring what you're doing because you think you're doing all right. You're measuring what the other person's doing. Like you're at 47%. When you get to 50, then I'll do more. Mm -mm, Not touching those dishes tonight. And from experience, that is not the path to a healthy, thriving marriage. Just say, just go 100. Go 100% no matter what your spouse does. And back to this passage, just a side note for somebody. I hope that helped you. But but it's about being 100% truth. And 100% love. And I don't exactly know what that looks like. I just know what Jesus showed us. When he came up across a woman. And she was caught in the act of adultery. Can you imagine that? And they, they just throw her onto the street. Everyone, it's fine whatever the dude was doing. He can just go do his thing. She's probably barely clothed. Maybe they threw a blanket over her. And the religious leaders, they've got they come to Jesus and they say, what do we do with her? We caught her. Here, Jesus, you throw the first stone. She's a sinner. The text in John chapter 8 says Jesus just paused. To keep in mind, John was an eyewitness. He watched this happen. And he just wrote in the dirt. And he let their questions sit with him. Huge question. I want to ask Jesus, like, what did you write in the dirt? Did you draw pictures? Like, what was it? He just wrote in the dirt. And then he said, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. And the old people were the wisest ones. And they were like, whoop, I'm out. Got a lot of those. And eventually the young people were like, and they walked away. Grace. Love. 100% of it. 
And then Jesus asked her, where are your accusers? And he picked her up off the floor and he said this, go and sin no more. Truth. He didn't say it's all right, you didn't mess up. No, you sinned. But now I'm putting you on a path to go and sin no more. And so I don't have anything besides this picture of Jesus to say, what if we in our everyday lives evaluated, okay, if that's what it means to speak the truth in love, Jesus, show me how to do that in the home and at work and in the apartment I live in and at the playground and at Walmart. Show me how to be 100% true and 100% love. And one thing that's going to help us figure that out is we've got to get in community with other people who are trying to do that. See, part of the invitation of the whole month of August is that we would get in a community group. Because if we're just solo trying to figure out and navigate, how do I speak the truth in love? Man, that's going to be really hard. We need people that we're actually with every week. Maybe sit in the living room. Maybe do an activity together. They can say, hey, how are you doing on this? That can hold us accountable. Then help us together to speak the truth in love. Because community enhances the value we add. As people go, hey, let me speak into your blind spot here. So I just got back from Romania. Um, we're gone last week. I got back the Friday before last Sunday. Going into that trip. Just talking about speaking the truth in love. Ben Wells, who is... Um, he and Louise are the leaders of our partners there. Ben said, hey, as you're planning this trip, don't just think about the trip. You need to plan to reconnect with your family. And I was like, I'd never thought about that, Ben. Thank you so much. Don't tell Whitney I'd never thought about that. Um, she's here. Anyway, never mind. And so I took off this whole week. Beforehand, I had Cody saying, hey, what's it going to look like with your family when you get back? As I got back, him saying, hey, what does it look like? Aren't you taking off this week? I had Matt Moore saying, hey, rest. Be with your family. Invest in them. That's like, I'm going to keep telling you that. I had people that I knew 100% loved me and that were speaking truth to me. And I'm telling you, I had some awesome memories with my family this week and got to reconnect with them because I didn't just jump back into work. And I'm not smart enough to do that on my own. I needed community. I needed people who could speak the truth and love. And that helped me add value to Whitney and our kids. See, when we're truly speaking the truth and love, what happens is we do become more like Jesus. And then the final verse, I just love this passage. It's so rich what Paul writes here as he says this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Just you start at the bottom. Like, like, what does growth look like, both personally and collectively? Well, here's what we know. If it's not infused with love, then it's not Jesus-based growth. So we can grow numerically. We can grow in all these other ways. But if the foundation of that growth is not the sacrificial, generous, giving, others first, love of Jesus, then we've missed it. Because we add value and we show the world Jesus we're loving each other as we're growing and then it says as as each part does its own special work and again the body's building up that we all add value and we all have a role to play but but then here's what it says at the beginning i just want to read it again because i think it's so powerful for us verse 16 it says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly in t Wright's translation this basically says that that jesus provides the growth 
So if we're going to talk about growing personally, growing collectively, we're going to talk about becoming more like Jesus, we're going to talk about adding value and how we add value, it starts with acknowledgement that we don't cause the growth, Jesus causes the growth. So in the month of August, throughout this series, we're going to give you some opportunities to step into all Jesus is doing in His church, both on and off campus, to serve with our kids, to serve in the parking lot, to serve with our local justice partners, to start planning to go visit a global justice partner next summer, even now to start budgeting for that, to get in a community group. We're going to give you opportunities to step into your role so you can know, man, I am a person who is value added. But today, the the invitation is not like just sign up for something or get in a community group or do this. Here's the invitation. When we take this question to Jesus, we say, Jesus, how do I add value? Will you speak to me? Because any growth must come from you. And sometimes, as we're doing the work of the church, which is what all of us do when we're building the church, we can get kind of panicked. Ah, there's so many kids coming. We've got all these spots. How are we going to serve? How are we going to do these things? We need to grow. We need more people. Blah, 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 blah. We get so panicked. I think Paul would calmly just remind us, whose church is this? Jesus' public church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus. Who's also on the throne of the universe? King Jesus. And who causes the growth? Again, Sunday school answer, Jesus. So we don't have any pressure. We get to do our part. We get to invite people. We get to pray. We get to step in. But there's no pressure because all the pressure is on the shoulders of Jesus. And he bore the sins of the world. And so he can handle the pressure of building his church. He can handle the pressure of leading us in how we can add value so we can just relax. And we can rest in him. And resting is active. We're still doing stuff. But we're not striving. Oh, I've got to get it. We're trusting. So the, the action today is really simple. I just want to invite us to pray first. Throughout this whole month as we talk about how to add value, how we can step into the unique roles that God has for us, how we can be in community, will we not jump to the doing of those things, but would our doing start with just So that's why we're going to be in 21 days of prayer. And I'm just going to put the schedule back on the screen. The production team is as public worship comes on up. And I just want to paint a picture to you. I know they're coming up. This room is, it's it's hard to not walk on stage without people noticing. So don't let them distract you. They're getting ready to lead us in some special moments of response that we need. But the Holy Spirit still has something for us. And I think what the Holy Spirit wants us to see is if if we will pray first, if we will show up on a Tuesday or a Saturday and pray collectively, because the whole thrust of this passage is not just individually, that's great, we need to individually pray, but also have some time to, to, to pray collectively, then, then here's what could happen. As we're praying for the generations each time, every gathering, we're going to pray for a different generation. What if the Holy Spirit just put a burden on your heart for kids? 
What if the Holy Spirit just put a burden on your heart for people walking through retirement that may be wondering, man, I know the value I added for the past 33 years, but I'm not really sure what it looks like to add value in this new stage of life. What if God put a burden on your heart for young professionals and for young adults and for people making huge decisions they have no idea the ramifications of because we didn't when we were making those. What if God just put a burden on your heart? And then what if you began to find ways to serve that generation? Not because someone talked you into it, not because someone twisted your arm, not because you felt compelled by another person, but because the Holy Spirit put a passion deep in you. And then you began to step in your role and add value to that generation. And you felt purpose in it. And you felt joy in it. And when it's hard and you got spit up on, it's worth it to get spit up on. And when it's 100 degrees in the parking lot, it's worth it to be 100 degrees. And when the middle schooler ignores you again and still doesn't speak to you or Snapchat or text you back, you just keep pressing in because nobody talked you into it. The Holy Spirit led you to it. And there's a fire in us to add value and serve. And that fire was ignited by the Holy Spirit as we simply came to God and said, Oh, Father, you created me. You know the unique gifts you've put in me. So would you open my eyes to show me what you've put inside and show me how I can add value? What if we prayed first? So that's what these 21 days are about. It starts by just acknowledging Jesus is the head. He's the leader. The growth comes from him. So we're going to go to him. Say, Jesus, how do I add that? So these next few moments, as these guys lead us in a song, maybe you just want to go ahead and pray a prayer like that. If you have questions, or if you just need somebody to pray with you, go back to the prayer corner. And if you don't follow Jesus, and you realize all that he's done for you, man, I invite you, if you're in the room, go to the prayer corner. If you're online, email us at prayerpublicchurch.com. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to repent and follow Jesus. But let's just take this time and let's focus on him. So Jesus, we're gonna give you these next few moments. But may these next few moments be a picture of us giving you our lives and giving you time each day to pray and giving you a a Tuesday night or a Saturday morning. And I pray that we would just bring our questions to you. That you would speak to us. Show us how you made us. You knit us together and formed us in our mama's womb. Just just reveal those intricacies to us and, and speak to us as only you can. May you light the fire inside of us.